From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 193, and today I am joined by Adria Bud Johnson, a producer, as well as her husband, actor Eric Johnson. Eric has been in pretty much everything. He was Flash Gordon on the Flash Gordon series back in the 2000 aughts. He's been on Rookie Blue, Saving Hope, The Nick, Caught, Condor, Vikings, as well as being Jack Hyde in the 50 Shades series. And this season, he will be on American Gods. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down via yep. isolation to watch Jaws. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this film many times. I am Eric uh, Johnson. I've seen this film those times, I believe. Twice. Twice. Once as a teenager and then once on a plane I only like five years ago because I'm like, does this still hold up? Hmm. I have never seen it. I was five when it came out, so I wasn't allowed to see it. And then... Yep. And then I was just scared. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So yeah. you weren't five because the film, uh, uh, the film is forty-seven yes. years old. It came out in seventy-five. It was released, and I just looked it up. That's well, interesting. anyways. It was released in might have been released in seventy-six, but it says seventy-five on IMDb. So well, there you go. Anyways, it was a while ago. It was a long time ago. Before yeah. we knew that sharks are our friends. <laughs> Some yeah. sharks. I mean, <laughs> sharks are natively our friends. As long as we don't mess with them and aren't bleeding in the water, I think sharks will... Uh, I think yeah. that's kind of like like wearing steak into a tiger pen, though. It's like, yeah. it's not really the tiger's fault at that point. Like, you're kind of just steak. Yeah. No, you know? food. And you went and into you it. Food. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, <laughs> also, you know, most of our, our population is people that eat other things that they kill. So yes. can we really get mad at a creature who's doing their instinctive, instinctive thing? And for like 500 million years. Yeah. yeah. Like, like they were kind of here first. They're kind of the boss of eating other things mm-hmm. and doing it for a long mm-hmm. time successfully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you know about Jaws going into Well, this? I know it's Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and he was very youth- youthful. Mm-hmm. And there was Bruce, the robotic animatronic shark thing that didn't work. So mm-hmm. then he had to improvise a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know that they had a ride at Universal Studios that when I went on it, when I was 10, I had had tuna fish. And the ride, you know, like the guy with the microphone telling the bad jokes, asked if anybody had eaten tuna fish. And I put my hand up, like, because I didn't know any better because I was 10. And then... the it almost dumped me in the shark. 
on well, the Well, it didn't. It just felt like it because yeah. you were 10 and you yeah, were scared because you had scared. tuna fish. What happened when you said you had tuna fish? It, like the boat shook or something? Yeah, then the tram ride drops and then Bruce rides up and, yeah, and sprayed mist on me and I was very scared and screaming. You keep on saying Bruce. I never knew the shark had a name. Yeah. Who named the, the name I is never Spielberg mentioned in the movies. Spielberg named him Bruce. Yeah. And this is the fact that I just looked up. Okay. You can see this after, but Spielberg named Bruce the shark after his lawyer. Oh, I didn't. Nice. <laughs> well, that must have been a fun nickname because they never refer to the, the shark in the movie with the yeah. name. I don't think. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, li- I like that he had a name for it though. Bruce. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe because he had to yell at it because <laughs> it wasn't working. And wait a minute. Wasn't the big shark in Finding Nemo also named Bruce? Also named Bruce. Oh, that's, I bet you that's got to be some kind of a Oh, mom. totally. It's a That's got to be it. Yeah. That's got to be it. When's the last time you saw it, Jeremy? You know, I saw it, uh, I want to say last year at when the TSO did it. Oh. They, they had a part oh, as part wow. of their, and I, so I took Ephraim. Who yeah. was nine at the time? So it must have been two years ago. Back when we were doing things like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was about a year and a half ago. So the last time I saw it was on the big screen with an orchestra. And yeah. it was kind of incredible to watch it. That Is way. this the most famous movie soundtrack ever? I, I... It's definitely the most parodied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, but is it like the most instantly recognizable? Like, uh, no. Star Wars. Star Wars. For okay. sure, Star Wars. I'd say everyone knows that if you hear the bottom, bottom, yeah. I bet you. I mean, I, I think there's a handful that most people that have even the basis of pop culture references would mm-hmm. pull out. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely one of them. Although I bet you, anyone hearing Star Wars would go Star Wars. Yeah, right. This one, they might go. Um, I think it's. Is it Psycho? Is it like this one might trip a few people up? They would uh-huh. know they recognize it from something. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if people, some people that were less pop culture savvy, heard this and weren't exactly sure where it came from, though they knew it came from something. Right. Well, and the other thing is that I think Star Wars itself has had such a lifeblood, like ongoing, like it's yeah. such a mythology and all there's these- a lot more of them that which yeah. it should be more familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah, maybe it's, but it's like I guess it's all this. It's like it's it's Star Wars and Indiana Jones and and maybe to your point, I bet you if you're talking about movies that like a single movie and and like a, I guess this is technically a franchise. Yeah, uh, two right. But it's yeah. So I, I was gonna say for a movie that doesn't have a franchise, this mm. is probably the most recognizable. But it does have a franchise. <laughs> right. It made a bunch more after. I didn't even oh, I didn't even know. That. Was it a bunch more? I thought it was just one. Oh no, they made up to like, didn't you see Back to the Future Part 2? They made up to like Jaws 15. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made, um, oh God, I want to say there's at least five of them. There's three anyway. Wow. Oh, okay. Now I got to look at it because now I'm curious. I'll, I'll, I'll just look up Jaws sequels real quick. Um, but it was, all, but, and Psycho also had sequels. Yeah, we... Right. There was a Jaws 3D. Because oh, right. it's 3D. Maybe there wasn't a Jaws 4. Jaws, oh, Jaws 4, 1987. Wow. Jaws, Jaws, Jaws 5, 1995, there's Jaws 5. Jaws 5. Wow. Was it actually Jaws 5? What was this thing called? It's called Cruel Jaws. That doesn't sound like a that Jaws sequel. I saw. Like I oh, saw no. That. It is Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. 
Wow. Are you shitting me? I saw there was a Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws? Yeah, which I thought was quite clever. Is that that's like that's Sharknado territory? Oh, probably. Wow, I was right. Jaws. Jaws five. They got the five. There. I now I see one called Jaws six. Daddy's home, but it's got to be a joke. Yeah, that's a short film. So they made. Yeah. So there was five. Did I say five? You did say you did five. Say you kind of nailed it. Awesome. I've never seen them. <laughs> there was a movie that came out a few years ago called, what was it called? The Meg? Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. About like the giant prehistoric shark. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, like it, them it, trying to take Jaws and just injecting it with steroids. Yeah. It's yeah. just like the, that the Emperor Kong. He's not even king. He's like the emperor. He's just like four times the size <laughs> of King Kong. Yeah. Have you seen it? No. It's so bad, it's good. Oh, is it's it one really? of those. Yeah, it's one of those. I was lucky. I saw that when I was in Halifax. We were making Cavendish. And so I saw a bunch of us went out to see it one night. And it was one of those movies I'm so glad I saw it with other people because we got to just make fun of it so bad. And, oh, enjoy, nice. and enjoy. We Mystery Science Theater it while we were watching it. And it was an amazing experience because of that. Yeah, That's I think awesome. outside of that, it would I would have sat there going, "What the fuck am I watching?" <laughs> it's, it's 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 great in how kind of terrible it is. Right. Wow, it just makes these big crazy decisions all the way through. Like they jump the shark. Yeah, but it's also the kind of thing where it's like, it's almost like the movie is aware of it and it's just owning it. And so I have a certain amount of respect for it for that. Sure. Which is like oh, the movie's are. making bonkers weird choices, but it knows it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like taking itself seriously in any way. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's the best I can say about the Meg. Okay. Um. Well, if if my if my memory of my last watch of uh of Jaws is indicative, I'm very much looking forward to the next two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're. So- I would agree to this because I know that I'm not going to be in any water for at least for a long time. (laughs) Well, at least three months. When we come back and talk after the movie, we'll talk about an experience that I had swimming in the ocean with Adria, where I didn't realize that her and Michael Phelps were the same person. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you you swim? Could have won won an Olympic record. (laughs) You uh, you would do fine against Jaws. You could have swim Jaws, maybe. (laughs) We'll find out. It was quite amazing. Well, no, we'll I, I, I would turn and fight. That's okay. That's what you got to do. When it comes to fight or flight instinct with the shark, it should always be flight. Oh, no, no. I would turn and fight. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, ex-Adria now. Like, <laughs> wow. Boy, yeah. loved you but, when but, we knew you. Yes, but yeah. let's, let's see. Oh, maybe after I see the movie, I'll... You'll change your mind. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll get some tips mm-hmm. and pointers. Well, I, well, you'll get some tips and pointers. I don't know how helpful it'll be to just like being in the water by yourself. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of need a boat. But I look forward to this story after we dive in. Yes, it'll All be right. a good one. Sorry, right, our cat was very uncoordinated. Yeah, that's okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we just finished. Yes. Who wants to go swimming? <laughs> and dead. Adria, thoughts? Now that you've seen it. 
Um, I am glad that I don't live somewhere where there are a lot of sharks. <laughs> and I also felt really sad the whole time because I thought, I mean, there were already people eating shark fin soup all over the world. Um, but you know, it really was the beginning of a like really horrible times for sharks. It's bad PR for, for sharks. Hugely bad yeah. PR. Yeah. Uh, what was it? The author, Peter, uh, Peter Benchley, I think he said that yeah. if he'd had known, if he'd actually done his research properly yeah, uh, and knew how sharks actually behaved, he never would have written the book. Yeah. Right. He, did you see his cameo in the film? No. What's his cameo? He was the news reporter who was reporting from the beach. And apparently he actually was a news reporter at one point in his career. Yeah. So he wrote the book and he wrote, he co-wrote the screenplay and he wrote it um, uh, after uh, somebody pulled up like a 4,500 pound great white out of off of the coast of like off of Montauk. And he's like, that's a book. Yeah. 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 Well, and then the the other thing that was like really amazing uh, was the Indian the story about the Indianapolis. The yeah, that seems terrific. Like it just goes yeah. from this rowdy like bro <laughs> hangout of like one upmanship, yeah. and then all of a sudden, and the the what I love about that scene is that Robert Shaw lets Dreyfus win. He yeah. lets him win on his story. And then it's just some like offhanded remark that Brody. Yeah, what's that one? Yeah. What's that one? The tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's making fun of the tattoo. And then all of a sudden it turns into that. And it's just like, it's just such a great moment because he, they've been so, there's been such animosity between mm-hmm. them that it's like, yeah. it's such a nice moment that it's like, he had this story and he, and he held it back. Yeah. And, and like, and just rounding out that character completely. Right. Because here's this guy who's a shark killer, clearly loves killing sharks. And you're like, this guy's nut, a nut job. But then you understand it's from this, this, you know, this horrific, horrific event. And, event. and, you know, this hor- horrible trauma. And he's just trying to take his revenge out on these, 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 these beings that, uh, you know, destroyed so many lives around him. It's like, it's, I, I am always amazed when I go back and I watch early Spielberg stuff of how brilliant he is just with his staging. Yeah. His staging is incredible. I don't know of, I can't think of a better director in like from his run from like this through Jurassic Park, probably of somebody who is better at staging and just that choreography, like yeah, you think about the opening scene of Indiana Jones. It's genius. It's mm-hmm. it's just how things unfold. Who steps into frame? Like his his yeah. They call it the invisible oneer because you don't really notice it's a oneer because of his staging is so strong. And even in a movie like his one week movie in that period, which is nineteen forty one, this the this filmmaking is on point. Yeah, uh, it's just a terrible movie, but it's like. <laughs> Um, but what's amazing, like that one shot on the ferry when they just step onto the ferry and yeah. you're just, you're on it the whole time. And then it just, 
because the background's moving the whole time, right? Yeah. But the camera isn't, and it's just what an incredible shot, and it does not feel like a oneer, but it's no, not at all. No. And it's and like they there's like three steps towards the camera as things get more intense, like of just the guys taking one more step away and one more step towards yeah. us before it. Oh, it's just it's such a great shot. It's yeah, and little thing, uh, and there's little ones too. There's that great moment where it's like it starts in the wife and it comes back, and he's sitting there and the kids mimicking him. Yeah, and it's right, and it's right after uh, the other kid dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just what a great, simple, small moment. Yeah, right. That wouldn't exist in another film that's just trying to go for like pure scares and pure. Yeah, there's a lot of heart in that film. There's a lot, yeah. like there's you really get that. I mean, I'm not educated enough in terms of my like filmography, but I mean, this is. It feels like such a summer blockbuster. This you was the first mean? summer blockbuster. This, this was, was the original. It was supposed to be released as a Christmas release, um, and then it was delayed. Oh. Well, yeah. back then they didn't. Here's the thing: back then they didn't have like summer blockbuster season, so it wasn't like, oh, let's put it out in the summer because it'll be a hit. That didn't exist right. when this movie came out. Right, this one came out in '75 or '76, and then of course it was after two years later we get Star Wars, and then from that point on it's summer blockbuster season. Right, right. right. So this, this is the first this one. is the highest grossing movie of all time when it's time. Half a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah but it, in its first run, it was like 80 million. But even that was like, that was, but it, it was supposed to be released for in, in Christmas was the original date. But then, of course, it was delayed because they had so much problems with production. Uh, yeah. And then they like begrudgingly released it in the summer when back then movies died in the summer. Yeah, because wow. everybody was out at Montauk. <laughs> 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 And so it, it created the summer blockbuster. It was the first summer blockbuster. It, but it re- I felt that template that, I mean, that like when I was 14 and went and watched Speed, it's the same kind of template as Jaws, you know, yeah. like these moments of comedy, these moments of like crazy ass explosions, like, oh, like all and of they, that. Like, they those, created those, it. Those beats that like Michael Bay went and did. Yeah. And, and Bruckheimer did was all forged uh, i didn't realize that this was like the first one but it felt like this was the this was the template that people just kept using because yeah. it's it's such a solid it's such a solid film and what a, and i don't know if you guys felt this while you were watching it but the one thing that kept on hitting me especially in that first half with the the mayor character and all that's going on with the stupidity of the town leaders yeah covid like it felt like a i know i said that that's I'm what like, says. feels really timely <laughs> Right? Who thought yeah. rewatching Jaws would be ridiculously timely right now? Yeah, yeah, no, it was. And you know what else? I, I turned to Eric and I'm like, oh, the mayor is like, this is where they got uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. The mayor, the mayor from, from Cloudy that. with a Chance of Meatballs is very much like the mayor there from Jaws. There was actually so many things in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs that was like, they ripped off like shot for shot, I bet you. Uh, well, I was like, his father was a fisherman too, and like, well, like it was in, so familiar. We're going to parallel probably with the chance of meatballs yes, with Jaws here. I'm but. doubling down on this. Okay. I'm. There are so many things that got pulled from this. You know. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, Stranger Things for like for one. For, like I haven't I haven't seen this since Stranger Things had come out, and like. And I'd known that like Stranger Things was based on like Jaws and because um, it was originally titled Montauk. Firestarter, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and like all those like those classic Amblin movies, and 
but even like the the color palette and everything like that, you really feel you still feel the influence of this film yeah. in something as successful as Stranger Things. And I know it's all supposed to be nostalgia anyways, but it's like, it's a proof, it's a testament to how well it holds up It's a, and how strong of a feature it was. Because I mean, it still holds up. It's, it's still almost great. 50 years old. Yeah. yeah. I, I still jumped when uh, in that moment when Dreyfus is underwater and the head yeah. came out. I, yeah. I, and I've seen this movie a dozen times. I, I still jumped. I don't know why I forgot that was coming, <laughs> or, but it just, cause you get caught up, right? Yeah. Uh, I actually completely blanked on that whole uh, cage sequence. I had totally forgotten about that whole sequence. So I'm like, Oh, he actually goes in the water. I totally forgot about this. Like it's yeah. He is the world's fastest getting into a wetsuiter. Right. Like, the first time that he's a professional on his boat, and then all of a sudden he's in a wetsuit. I'm like, dude is fast. Very good. He's very good at getting in a wetsuit. <laughs> he's a professional. One thing I meant to mention when we were talking about Robert Shaw was he. First of all, he's got an amazing death. Yeah. yeah. One of the classic amazing screen deaths. Thirteen. But well, not even, well. There's no swearing. There's no swears. When it says on Netflix, it well, says PG thirteen. I was like, how does it PG? There's a lot of severed limbs. Yeah, like, the seventies and eighties were a very different time for the rating systems in America. Very yes. much so. Very much yes. so. Yeah. Um, but so he has. But his introduction is phenomenal. Oh, um, nails on the. Oh yeah, nails yeah, on the chalkboard. Yeah. But also after, like, it, it, and you know, it does that classic tracking shot in during that monologue of his that holds on it. But then the thing I don't think I ever noticed before was the drawing on the chalkboard. Oh, you sure, yeah, the shark. Who? What insensitive bastard drew that picture after the kid just died? <laughs> I don't know. Did he do that? He must have. Maybe. He's a very good shark drawer. Yeah. What the fuck? What a yeah. dick. He's, he's a troubled guy. I will yeah. say, I think to this day, it's still the best use of the dolly zoom that I've seen when we're on the beach and it's the, it's the, it's the zoom out push into to Roy oh, the vertigo shot. It's the vertigo shot. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the best one. It's so it's and like, I don't know if you've ever tried to do one. Yeah. They're tricky. They're tricky. They are tricky. They're easier now when you have like these remote, these remote controlled rigs and stuff, and you can yeah. just basically set the camera to do it. But you have to do it practically, is yeah. you need a, a super great, you need like a team to do it. Yeah, and it's, a good it's focus just the timing of just everything happening so that they stay in the, they stay the right size. It's it's like I remember first learning about that, you know, twenty odd years ago, uh, and trying to we tried to pull it off on a on a on a TV movie I was working on. And it was just like, yeah, no, we bailed on it. Like after yeah. an hour, cause it, it takes a while. So for those listening who don't know the, sh- I think, you know, the shot we're talking about is that one where you're, it, it just holds on Roy Schneider and it's just like his perspective is the same. And then the background gets elongated yeah. and how you do that is you, there's two ways to do it depending on what effects you want is you need a zoom lens. Yeah. And so the lens is zooming in while the camera is, is either zooming in or out while the camera is dollying in or out. Mm-hmm. And, but you had to get the speed perfect on both so that the subject matter itself doesn't look like they're moving. Uh, and it's a great effect. Uh, the first person to do it was Alfred Hitchcock on vertigo. Yeah. To get that vertigo effect. Yeah. But it's been done so much better since then because te- technology has improved and just filmmakers have gotten better at yeah. know, the technique. 
Um, Sam Mendes does it really well in Road to Perdition. That's how Jude Law is introduced. Oh, right. It's great. And it's a really subtle one. It's like he's he's, this big wide shot and he's walking down these train tracks. And it's just like, and it's great because that character is so fucked up and unsettling. And so it's a great way to introduce that character because something feels off and you're not quite sure what it is. Wow. It's done so subtly. It's beautiful. Um, the last time we did this, we had talked about Rocky. Yeah. Well, Bill Butler, the DP of this, went on to do Rocky 2, 3, and 4. But not the original. He didn't do the original, but he did Rocky 2, 3, and 4. Uh, he also did uh, the Gene Hackman film, The Conversation, in 1974. Oh, wow. That's a great movie. Yeah. 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 And I don't think he was a DP, but he was on uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as well. And I think Bill Butler was also on... Uh, was on like crew uh, of of Rocky, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. He wasn't the cinematographer, but he was on. He was oh, on. That's interesting. And and 21 years later, after doing this, he did Flipper. Flipper. <laughs> Flipper the Dolphin. Way to make up for all the, all yeah. the dead, yeah. dead, dead sharks that were on his conscience. Yeah. Has Spielberg? Has Spielberg? Has, has he ever atoned for the shark population? I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't, I haven't, I didn't see anything. I haven't read anything. I also was looking at this and like, I don't think this is a movie that you could say no animals were hurt in the film. In this movie. No, I was surprised there were actually shots with like, especially during the cage sequence, there were like actual. Yeah. That was a real shark on top real, of the cage. Yeah. yeah. They have a credit at the very end. that's like real live shark footage shot by this person. Very brave people. Yeah. Very brave people. Who just went and really made a great white shark angry and <laughs> <laughs> just filmed it from the water. No, yeah. thank you. Would what? you ever do something like that? Would you ever get in the water in a shark cage? No. Why? For what yeah. purpose? With, with, yeah, it's for, like jumping out of a perfectly good I'm, plane. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily a thrill seeker. I, I'm not the kind of person that's like, I have to tie like an elastic band to my feet and jump off that very tall building just to see if I survive. Yeah. Just, and to see how I feel. What if it was for a shot? You had to get a shock. A shock, a shock like a shock. For, for a film. Yeah. Oh, I mean, very, I don't know if I should say this on, oh, I can say it. Uh, so the movie we just shot, <clears throat> we wanted to shoot a sequence on a river. Uh, and being a low budget movie, we're like, well, we'll just, we'll be fine. We, we will be in, we'll be in another canoe and there'll be three of us and we'll wait it down. It's like, we went in the river. That we we destroyed a camera, wow. um, and it was just one of those random things where, and we had and we had a safety guy there. We did everything we could. In theory, we did everything we could, yeah. you know. Uh, but it was just one of those things where after we were all going, what happened? And nobody knew. It was like, yeah. and our safety guy is like, someone shifted their weight in the wrong way, and everyone else compensated probably, and that, and then all of a sudden we were just in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that was an ex- an example of, uh, but not necessarily dangerous for us as people, just more like equipment kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done some water sequences stuff before, uh, not underwater, just in the water uh, boats. Um, myself in rapids, like had gone overboard in a in a whitewater raft and going in rapids. Up. It's always intense. It's always a little wild. It's a little. It's just different. It's, there's a there's an energy to those things. Yeah, I think the one thing I did personally was when I was in film school, and um, I have I 
I don't, I don't know if I have a fear of heights or not. I, I don't like heights. Like I don't like, if I look down over something, I'm the kind of person that's like, I think I'm going to lean over and die. Mm. Um, and I remember once we, I wanted to get this shot on one of my shorts, um, looking like almost straight down, like in like an alleyway. Right. We were shooting like a noir sequence. Uh, and of course, my camera operator had no interest in in doing that because basically, we the the person doing it had to dangle over the mm-hmm. the thing to do it. And so I said, "Look, I'm the one that wants a shot. I'll get the shot. Give me the camera. I'll do it." And and so you guys just hold on to me, and we'll practice it and make yeah. sure it's fine. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, by the way, sorry, what's that? <laughs> oh, your cat. Uh, yeah. I have two stories like this. This is one. This actually, this one isn't even as bad as the second one. Uh, and I find that it's like by looking through the viewfinder, I'm fine looking down because like then it's just a shot. Right. Yeah. Similarly, when I was working on a doc, like my a buddy of mine and I put ourselves through film school shooting heritage documentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got an opportunity to go up on like one of those shitty little small planes that basically is like a two person plane, and we put three people in it. It's like uh, me, like the, the the pilot, and then me and uh, him, and we had two cameras. And literally, the only way we could fit all three of us in was that my, my door was off. Oh, God. Perfect. And the seatbelt that they had on me was not better than, like, a shitty car seatbelt. Like a lap belt. Like, from like, like a lap belt. belt. Not, not even, like, over my shoulder. It was just no. a lap belt. Oh. And not in, basically a seatbelt. Yeah. So, uh, but I had the camera. And I didn't have anything. I didn't even, like, this could have gone horribly bad. I, I didn't even have like a strap holding the camera. Me, I was just me with a death grip on the camera with wind airspeed going back, and me just going. If I just keep on looking through the viewfinder, I won't think that I'm dangling outside of a plane that's like thousands or hundreds of feet. It wasn't thousands, hundreds of feet above. Getting beautiful aerial footage. Yeah, yeah. But after I was just like my fingers were just like numb for days because yeah. like the pressure I had just holding onto this thing. And then after my friend buddy was like, I thought you were scared of heights. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, I don't know what it was that came over me that was able to do it. So that's, that's the, I have risked myself for some shots. Yes, you have. Yeah. I hung out of a plane. You've know, you got to risk yourselves for uh, the cinema gods. Oof. Yeah. Um, so I promised you a story about Adria impersonating uh, Michael Phelps. Yes. And so uh, I had got a job in the Turks and Caicos, which is, pretty great yeah so um you know uh adria flies down it's so it's february turks cake was beautiful 20 you know 25 30 degrees every day and it's a tiny island we're on grand turk which is not the touristy islands it's more known for scuba diving and it's one of the top scuba diving places mm. in the world yeah um i'm not a scuba diver but we were we'd, we were snorkeling but i think it was like only like your first or second day there yeah and we find this completely secluded beach there's nobody there it's just us it's beautiful tropical caribbean water and we're just swimming around and i swim out a little further and and uh i turn around and i just see splashing and just it's like there's a motorboat it's like like back in the in the cartoons of like Donald Duck swimming, just like, <laughs> like the <legs> kicking. <laughs> and just like, I've never seen somebody swim so fast in my life. And I don't know what's happened. So I'm panicking. So I start swimming, swimming back and I'm like yelling, Adrian, Adrian, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And it's like, she's daggers up onto the beach, 
flippers come off head like and I'm like oh my god what happened what happened I'm like what happened she said, well I saw a little fish I'm like yeah there's lots of those there's it's the ocean it's full of fish we're like this is one of the best scuba diving places that's, that's why we're scuba diving yeah and she's like yeah but then I thought well let's eat small fish well bigger fish and what eats bigger fish well bigger fish and what eats those fish sharks yeah and that was it she went from fish this big to there's sharks and i need to get out of here you suddenly realize there are sharks in the ocean somewhere not 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 anywhere near you just that sharks. no no and it was funny because there was like a long further along that part of the island there was a there was like a a bay like an inlet with a, a pond, pond like a little lagoon yeah and there was just this long channel and it was probably 10 feet across and it, it was, was very deep. It was longer was it than that. Yeah, it was probably about, it was probably a good 40 foot swim, but that was it. It was from like spit of sand to yeah. spit of sand yeah. and then this big lagoon. But you could see it was very deep. It was deep. a deep channel. And, uh, and, I, and I was by myself, you were filming mm-hmm. and I was on the beach by myself, no one around. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just swim across it. And then, cause then I could actually go all the way around the island. And then I was like, mm, I better not. I'm like, I'm all by myself. And, and I'm glad I didn't because one of the locals was like, oh, yeah, that's really deep. And the big sharks go into the No, pond. they said that's the only I part of this island that, that the sharks, sharks go. go. <laughs> and then they're like, we were going to see the stingrays. And they're like, oh, that's Shark Island over there. I'm like, why is it called Shark Island? They're like, because that's where the sharks are. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, so you don't go to that island? They're like, no, we go to Stingray Island. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes to that island. No, it's just, you don't go to Shark Island. You go to Stingray Island to see the stingrays, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen Adria swim faster. No. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, and I, but I do have one Richard Dreyfus story. You have a Richard Dreyfus story? I do. On my twenty-fifth birthday, I was in LA, and I'd been working on Lois and Clark. And We're done Lois and Clark? I did, yeah. I loved that show when I was a kid. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> but, yeah, well, we won't talk about Dean Cain and his politics. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> right, yes. What, but, before, 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 what did you do on the show? I got to know. Uh, well, I was doing my internship. So I'd gone to film school in Edmonton, and then the fourth semester was you could get a placement wherever you wanted. And so I called them, and I said, do you have an intern? And they said, no. And I said, well, you do now. And I went down and I shadowed the uh, script supervisor on set during the, during the shoot. So at the end of the week, I could like go in the afternoon, but then I would spend the rest of my time in, in with the editing. Yeah. Well, actually the SBU or no, what was it called? It was Roy Scheider's show. Start uh, a sequest. Yes. Thank you. So it was across the hall. And so I would, and they were still cutting on flatbeds. It was the only show in the editing building on the Warner lot that was still using flatbeds. So they were like miserable. And then, and then we had nine gig drives. That's it. Like, and that was huge back then. Were you guys using laser discs though? Uh, no, we had towers, but somebody else was you, there was a different show using laser disc, but anyways, Crazy. so, so I was going out with some of the crew that night. It was my last night 
uh, they got me a cake on set during the day and then we were going Aww. out. And, um, so we had gone for, a few of us had gone for sushi dinner and we were going to a club and in the car on the way to the club, uh, we pulled up to a light and then I look over and there's a guy in a BMW and it's Richard Dreyfus and he smiled at me like megawatt smile. And I was like, like, <gasps> like this. And then he smiled back at me like, yeah, me baby <laughs> and then the light changed and he drove off and i just like that was my richard dreyfus moment that's a pretty good 25th birthday gift yeah. they will smile from richard, richard dreyfus, dreyfus yeah. the knowing smile like yep i know you know who i am and i know this is and and yeah. here we go yeah <laughs> i know this was a big moment for you enjoy it <laughs> yeah it was like that but it was nice Nice. Absolutely. So, uh, so you enjoyed the movie, Adria? I, I assume. I did. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't eat tuna fish, so I feel okay. And I'm you not were safe. It was a safe viewing yeah, environment. I still. I don't think it's going to change my 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 water comfort level any. Maybe. I think it, I think it, it, it it's good to have a uh, an appropriate fear of uh, of ocean water going into it and just to find out where is a good spot to swim and where is not by the locals. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. so. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. So you know, because there's other things. A, health, a healthy fear, I believe it's called. Yes. Healthy fear. Yes. A healthy respect. Yes. For the healthy ocean. respect. Yeah. But I'm glad I've seen it. So yeah. It's good to see these seminal films that. It it I I think it holds up so well. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it really does. It's a it's a it's a really tight film. I mean, even if you think pacing wise, in terms of like how radically that shifted in the last fifty years, yep. it still holds up. Really, it does well. not feel like it's funny when we when you mentioned the two hours. I knew that, but I in my mind, I always think that's an, it's a ninety minute film because yeah. it goes yeah. so. There's no dead moments. It's just it yeah. moves except for when along. people die. And that's yeah. when you want dead moments. Yeah, those are all the only dead moments. Yeah, yeah. but no, it just it just flo- it floats along and it's just, it's perfectly paced. It has a great arc and it, it it gets more aggressive when it needs to and dies back when it doesn't. It's um and it, like you said, the score is amazing. Yeah, apparently the first time um, John Williams presented the score to Steven Spielberg, he thought he was joking. He's oh, like, really? no, no, what's the real score? He's like, no, that's the real score. And Spielberg wasn't sure about it at first. And then, of course, he said that, you know, that was what made the movie. Wow. Well, and it was funny because there were so many moments in the score where it was like you could hear, like, where he was inspired for other other projects. Like, definitely very, well, E.T. and... Close Encounters. Indiana Jones. Indiana like you hear Jones some Indiana and, Jones and, there. and Harry Potter. Well, yeah. Well, you, you only you hear like there's not so many times you're going to hear a harp in a in a horror film. No. Where you get sure. the, you know, it's like he's he's just got this like this whimsy to what he does. Yeah. I wonder and, if this was his first. He won the Oscar for this. He did. Yeah, and what what's even funnier was that he was the conductor at the ceremony that year, and he had to run up from the pit. That's and then had to run back down so nobody could but at least the orchestra couldn't play him off right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's genius yeah i don't know if it was his first one but he won the and 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 to that point it's like he created such an iconic score but also like using you know to like harps and whatnot like yeah. now you would just do such a like movies like this have just such a cliched 
like how do you beat Jaws when you're making a shark movie? Can you imagine yeah. being a composer and giving a shark movie? It's like what the fuck? Like you can't Wait, even. How, yeah. How do I? Why? Why am I going to bother? You got to go the opposite way. Yeah. No score. Yeah. Just just bubbles underwater. Exactly. Unless you're like, hey, is this? Can we make this a Jaws spinoff? That way, I can at least like steal and nobody yeah, and, no, just, and nobody. Jaws six. Can I can ju- I can justify it. Oh I look. Jaws 2 is on Netflix. I'm probably going to watch that in the next couple of days because I've never have. Wow. I think the first four are on Netflix, it looked like. I, I looked it up. Wow. Okay. Two, two is apparently not bad. Two is, Rory Schneider's back. He's the only one. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a Spielberg movie, obviously. Yeah. But apparently two is, people are like, you know what? Two is not so bad. People gave it a hard time at, at, at the beginning, but they're like, it's not Jaws, but it's not mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, uh, and then I have not. I have no interest in the other ones. Yeah, no. all I know is that the third one takes place at a theme park. Um, that makes sense. And uh, something I think the plot is like a baby. Like they take a baby great white white shark, and the mother tries to get it back. Oh, right. They're mad because she took her baby. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth one, I'm not kidding. The plot for the fourth one is that. <gasps> Uh, so the second one takes place on Amity Island again. So yeah. I'm curious how they do a retread of that without making it feel super stale. Yeah. But the third one starts on Amity Island and there's a shark attack. Uh, and then something, the, the Roy Schneider's not there. They explain he's not there because he's died in the ensuing years. Um, the family decides we're done with Amity Island. You know, they move to the Caribbean and the shark follows them. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I could see that. You know, like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, the shark following them to the Caribbean. Wow. That's the that's the setup for Jaws four. It's called yeah. the revenge. The revenge. Because also sharks go and get revenge on yeah. people. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I read for this that the uh, read read on this that they. They weren't allowed this all. They shot this all in Martha's Vineyard. Yep. And but they weren't allowed to build anything. So every everything that's in there is it's Martha's practical, Vineyard, except for the sign that they put up, which Brand. they had put up and Over take top. down the same day because they weren't allowed to leave the standing structure. So they weren't allowed to put anything up there. So all the buildings and everything you see in there, I think, except for Quinn's place. Quinn's place was the one set that they had. So. Everything that you see, all the buildings and, and stuff like that are just there. And yeah. if you look at it, it looks so like so constructed. It looks so like a, like a, like this perfect yeah. uh, practical set. And it was just like, no, that was just it. That's just it what was oh, that's amazing. Look like. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Really great. And you know, the other thing that I, uh, uh, was, the cool technology that they gave Richard Dreyfuss's character, yeah. which at the time must have been just mind blowing, right? Like just this, like this future tech. Even the video game of the shark attack game where you're shooting a shark. I'm like, it was 1974. They would have been shooting this. That would have been the coolest video game ever made. Yeah, yeah. It was like you know. So you see that sort of early Spielberg tech kind of interesting leaning in. Like, but that's that's to me is like that's a that's a that's a that's a trope of a summer blockbuster. It's like you yeah. gotta have some cool tech. You gotta have you know like all that stuff. It was uh, it was pretty darn good film. Cutting edge at the time. Now we look at it and it's like oh, that's 
Good. But did you see the thin microphone that he was using to record everything? But the, but of course the, the tape recorder was like this big attached to his head. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah. funny. Yeah. Did you notice? I'd never noticed it before. Um, the shooting star. Yeah. There's two of them. There's yeah. two. Yeah. There's two back to back. There's one in like there's a closer shot, and then they go wide. There's another one, and that's a real thing. That was not like an optical effect. Like they actually just mm-hmm. caught they caught two shooting stars just randomly. We thought wow. it was like, a, when we when I saw the second one, I'm like, oh, they put it in. You know, like it was remastered. According to Spielberg, oh, he says it was. I, I looked it up because I was curious. I was like, did they put that in just for effect? Wow. Yeah, that was amazing. That's that's uh, that's serendipitous. That's pretty cool because that was an epic shot. Roy shot it right in the foreground and then just right behind his head. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. And then to get it again on the wide. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. bet you it's the kind of thing where they were shooting it and their shooting stars are happening and Spirit was just going, crossing the fingers going, I hope this gets exposed on film. Yeah. 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 I guess it would because it's, bright, it's brighter than the sky, right? So it definitely, but, yeah. but it might be blown out. It'd be hard to tell. It'd be hard to know because you can't light for that. Or you can't set your exposure for that. So they got yeah. lucky. Uh, I heard that it was supposed to be a 65-day shoot. And it ended up being like 160 uh, days. What? Because they had so many problems with Bruce. the animatronic shark. But I'm like, could you imagine adding 100 days to your shoot? Well, he was known for, well, let's talk about the shark first. So the reason, do you know why the shark fucked up? No. Because they tested it in water, but not salt water. Oh, um, that makes and the, sense. And the salt water was what fucked up all the all the panels and stuff. They didn't realize there would be a difference between the yeah. two. So that was what screwed up the the shark. But so I mean, Spielberg got was like this was his second film, his first like major theatrical film, right? I think right. No, third, Sugarland, Sugarland third, Express, oh, Sugarland and Duel. People don't count Duel as a film because it's a TV movie, oh. but I do. So third, you're right. <laughs> um, uh, not this was definitely part of it, but I think by the time he got to um, just get to Indiana Jones, like when he got Indiana Jones, they like the studio was like being very harsh on him because he was known as a filmmaker that could not come in on time or on budget. Right. Like he was, right. he was known as like this boy wonder who was making amazing things, but it was costing them a fortune. And thank God this movie made the money it did because who's going to complain after that? Yeah. You yeah. know, but when it came around time to make Indiana Jones, like, and he, cause he had just come off of 1941, which is, which was over budget overshot and was a bomb. Right. And so it was the first time the rains came down. They're like, you will not go over budget. You will not go over production. And so he had to like become a very efficient filmmaker on that one because he thought at that point, he's like, my career is in the line. Like Indiana Jones was his saving grace. Because wow. he, he thought he was going to, his career was going to implode because of 1941. And because up to that point, he, was, he wasn't known as like a guy that fought with the studios and was a dick or anything like that, I don't think. But he was just known as a guy that didn't respect a shooting schedule or a mm-hmm. budget. And was like, well, we'll, go, we'll the studio will find more money. Uh, and, then wow. I caught up, and then I caught up with him. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But yeah, at the time, it's like, you know, that's almost triple the the shoot yeah like that's crazy that's insane that's crazy like like i mean i mean you heard maybe it's just water because the same thing happened to james cameron on titanic maybe just water is just like hard to do 
I can't imagine. Richard Dreyfuss originally turned down the movie because he read the script and he's like, this, not, this is a movie I want to watch. I don't want to have to make this movie. <laughs> yeah. I heard that Roy Scheider uh, got the job because he overheard Spielberg talking to a friend at a party about the movie and he walked over and was like, hey, I, that sounds like someone I'd like to do. <laughs> and then sure enough, like, uh, Spielberg called him a while later and said, hey, you want to go and do this movie with me? Yeah. You're going to be in a boat. It's going to suck a lot. Yeah, it, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds more fun than it is. Yeah. Oh, man. They must have been on that boat for Forever. weeks and weeks. Yeah. And that was one of the trickier things Spielberg said was like making sure you just couldn't see land. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And making sure they felt like they were isolated and desperate. 25% of the movie is shot from the from like the water level, which I kind of noticed this time. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. The one thing I didn't get story-wise... Was is it just because he's crazy? Why does Robert Shaw destroy the radio? Because he, I felt like it was a he was Ahab and he just really wanted to get the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sort of what I felt. He's like, we're not, we're not getting rescued here. We're going after this. Like this yeah. is because we're was, we're seeing this through. We're not we're not bailing at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes they sense. were bailing. Shortly thereafter, yeah, and lots of bailing, but water not bailing. Out of yeah, the yeah. Boat. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting thing of just like why did you know what was the main reason that Roy Scheider had to go on the boat? Why did he have to go? And I'm like, well, it's like he. I'm like, it's because he feels responsible and he needs yeah. to, to see this through. Um, and it was sort of it's sort of explained with that one shot of him after his sons come out of the water and he looks out to sea and it's a slow zoom out into the open ocean and it's like that's that's to me it was the decision where he's yeah. like okay i gotta go and get this shark myself yeah 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 it's nice because it wasn't like overtly said it was in a big long monologue of no they do it so simply and there's even like just the way like in this movie it just made me really think about how efficient you can be with like little story moments and the like like there's that one moment i, I kind of forgot that there was a point where Richard Dreyfuss is like, hey, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going on to this other thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he has this one quick line. Like, there's this chaos going on. He's just on the phone for two seconds. He's like, why do I got to go there? There's a great white, there's a great white shark right here. It's just that quick thing that's you're meant to, and, and you pick it up because you're designed to, but it's happening with all this other chaos in the shot too. But right. it's just, it's nice because it doesn't like, hit, it's not like hitting on the face, but it's there to yeah. just like, but even like I would have bought after what they found inside that shark that he wouldn't have left. Yeah. There is some, there was some really great moments that I found of just that layering of information where there's two, like, again, I mean, it was very stylistic at the time, but uh, like, but it was, that was, it was very new at the time, but overlapping two different conversations, revealing different information at the same time and having two conversations happening, a lot of overlaps, feeling very natural. Like there's a conversation happening in the background. You're going to hear part of that. You're going to hear part of this conversation in the foreground. They're going to, yeah, it's all the staging. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna relate together at some point, and they go back to their separate conversations. It's just to me, it's just so enjoyable. It's amazing now because, as Adria said, like sound is so much better it, in yeah, movies. Yeah, it's come so far. You know, you have so many. Well, you have seven or so many different tracks you can use now instead yeah. of just right or left. Like it's very very different. But um, just again, that staging and the and the choreography of 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 even having those lines in the script but also knowing story enough to know that i don't have to put a camera on every moment here 
you know, like again, like the staging of where is the story and what's the, what's a, what's the best way to unfold this story. And, and uh, again, he's just a master at that. He really is. It's like, like you said, the invisible wonder, it's, it's, it's pretty great to watch. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I think like Spielberg, Spielberg is almost like an overlooked filmmaker in the sense that everyone knows he's great. And so, but it's also like, I think people think of him as like, Oh, he's the, you know, a big blockbuster guy. He makes like big giant movies and he's great and it's fine. But it's like the technical skill, like, yeah. like the reason why, like, I think enough, especially young filmmakers, I think like they get excited and, and not to say there aren't a million other filmmakers you get excited about, but it's like, there's something about just like his technical ability within storytelling yes. and not really. And the thing that I admire so much about him is that he's not trying to show off. Mm-hmm. telling the story that way in a simple effective way in fact the, the reason why it's the invisible one is because you don't notice it mm-hmm. unless you're paying attention it yeah. just it just flows and it feels right uh yeah i i the, the older i get and the more i work is like the more i study him and just like i want to like try to be able to pull off even like a fraction of some of the stuff he does mm-hmm. but maybe that's life. why his shoes went so far over is <laughs> just get, trying to get the choreography right and yeah you know maybe it's the, maybe it was like you know you, you think of like every day on set you learn things and you and you learn new things well he got an extra hundred days on jaws so continue Jeez. to learn new things you know that's a uh, that's pretty epic yeah it's true most filmmakers don't get that kind of schedule no no, no. No, not at all. Yeah. Even a sixty day shoot. I to have a sixty day shoot. I wouldn't know what I would do with sixty days. Yeah. What would you shoot? You'd shoot two movies. Yeah, th- four. <laughs> I'm a Canadian filmmaker. I would shoot four movies. Isn't <laughs> that crazy? Uh yeah. Bonkers. Uh any other any other final thoughts on on your experience, Adrian, finally watching Jaws? Mm. No. I, uh, yeah, feel sad for Bruce. Oh, do you have any other, uh, what are, what are your other, do you have any other big Spielberg black holes? Uh, I think I saw 1941, but I don't remember. I haven't seen that. I love Always. Oh my God. I need to rewatch. Always has this crazy, again, it's just one of those Spielberg things where he's the only filmmaker that can get away with doing that. But there's this like great shot where that takes place inside the house and the yeah. plane just flies over from one window and then it pans through the house during this conversation and yeah. it lands the other way. And this is like, and they said that it wasn't like they just randomly caught a plane going. They had to set send the plane back and redo it every time. Yeah. Who the fuck has that kind of send the oh, plane back, circle back around. Let's wait half an hour to line the plane back up to get yeah. the shot. You even saw it with the helicopter in this film. It was like helicopter, oh, yeah. you know, helicopter tracking the helicopter the right into the mayor's yeah. close up. You know, it's like, yeah, that's, uh, again, that's some classic, like, Bruckheimer, Michael Bay, uh, uh, you know, summer flick stuff right there. Yeah. 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 Great stuff. Well, thanks for uh, for joining me for Jaws. I've, this one's been one of those ones that I've just been dying to find someone to watch that hasn't seen it. So thank you for, yeah, for being yeah. the one. It was good. It was like, there were so many moments where I was like, oh, Oh, yeah. And cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Who knew? <laughs> this is where the bigger boat line came from. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's some, yeah, there's some, you know, 
Now I want to go back and watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs so I can go. (laughs) You should put two screens up at a time and just watch them. Side by side. And just circle them all. It's the (laughs) same movie, essentially. It really is. Except with giant meatballs. Hilarious. Well, thanks for joining me for Jaws. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Jeremy. Let's all go to the... Thanks for joining us for Jaws. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a